0: Well, let's give Jesus a praise offering right now. Hallelujah. What a great God. Come on. We serve an awesome God. A mighty God. Thank you, Lord. Well, thank you for those kind words. My, your mama would be happy and my daddy would be surprised. So <laughs> I uh, am delighted to be here again to give honor today to your good pastor and uh, his dear wife. We love them immensely and uh, have great respect for their leadership and their efforts in the kingdom of God and also it's great to see Bishop Frost and his wife. We're happy to see you again. We give you honor. Love this man. I remember preaching in Ethiopia and I was needing someone to represent God and so since he was the tallest one in the place and had the white hair, and I figured he was a good match. So we had a great time there in Ethiopia, but it's great to be here and thank God for what he's doing. He's doing wonderful things. Uh, since I was here the last time, I've had uh, a couple of uh, promotions. Actually, actually today is, is, uh, is a historical event. I don't know if you realize it or not, but this is actually a historical event today. Uh, You're going to um, witness uh, the very, very first time that I will be preaching as a 70-year-old man. So, amen. Today's the day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And for those of you that just looked at me and said, that's not possible, I really like you. Thank you so much. You are so kind. And um, if you'll meet me after service today, I'll shake your hand and tell you how much I do like you. I say stuff like that. My wife says, you need to go back and look in the mirror again. (laughs) uh, But I'm happy to be here. I'm sorry my wife cannot be here. She is uh, recovering from... Some major health issues in the past year: back surgery, bone fusion, uh, congestive heart failure, AFib, and so uh, she's she's gone through it. And uh, I'm I'm sorry she's not here. Uh, she would love to be here, but and I would love for her to be here. I mean, after 52 years, I figure uh, you may as well love being with one another, because if you don't, you're in trouble. I do love my wife dearly, and uh, sorry she cannot be here. We also have we have folks from India and in Africa that are connected to this live service, this live stream today. Would you make them welcome in Jesus' name? <laughs> Amen. I forgot to tell you that uh, the other promotion that wife and I have. We're now great-grandparents. We had two great-grandchildren last year. we got a third one on the way. So we're just having the time of our life, enjoying the work of God, enjoying the people of God, and all the blessings that he's given to us. Let's get in the word of the Lord. I'm reading from John chapter 11, and we're going to begin at verse thirty-three. John 11 and 33. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Verse number 38 tells us that there was a stone that was laid upon the mouth of the cave. And Martha talks about how that he had been dead four days, and by now, he stinks. So I want to preach a few minutes today on this thought, the stink behind the stone. Amen. The stink behind the stone. Let's give God one more praise offering with our hands. Let's glorify him. I am convinced that God will orchestrate the events of our life in order to prove himself to us. Oftentimes, there are events that take place that leave us with uh, ourselves scratching our heads, wondering what good can come out of this. But we do know by Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and who are the called according to his purpose. You've heard it said before, hear it again today. It didn't say that everything was good that happens to you. But it said all things work together for good. So I'm I'm thankful for the times that when I look at the situation and I'm questioning about if anything good can come out of that and then I have to travel the road and look back and say, yes, God brought good out of that situation. But it's God, I believe, orchestrating the events of our lives so that he can prove himself to us. When you look earlier in John chapter 11, Jesus, uh, when he received word that Lazarus was sick, remained where he was. And then he said, let's go and uh, let's wake Lazarus up. He's asleep. And of course, they said, if he's sleeping, he's doing fine. And uh, Jesus said plainly to them, Lazarus is dead and I am glad. Now, that don't even sound right, and I know I didn't put the period in there that's in the Scripture, but it flows pretty good when Jesus said, He's dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent that you might believe, he said, Nevertheless, let us go unto him. God sees things differently than what we see them. He notes things differently than what his perspective on things is completely different. Lazarus was dead, but he said he's only sleeping. And so how you and I might describe our situation may not be the way God is describing our situation. And so we might need to hang on long enough to find out how God views what we're going through as opposed to how we view what God is going through. Or, or what we are going through and so it was that uh, we oftentimes and it is oftentimes that when God is not working things out the way we think that we sh- that he should work it out then we wonder about whether or not God really knows what he is doing but I believe that one of the things that we have to all remember is that God does first, things for his glory he works first for his glory not our glory not even for our benefit but he works so that it brings glory and honor to him and oftentimes the outflow of that is of course that it is beneficial to us so he works first for his own glory and then he does it to prove himself to us We really do need from time to time God to show himself strong in our behalf. We need God to work in situations so that it continues to build our faith and our confidence in what we know that God can do, but sometimes we don't see it in the timing that we think we ought to see it. And so God does it and lets us know, it may look like it's too late, but I'm always on time. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house here today. Amen. Now, we understand that whenever they sent word, what they wanted was Jesus to come and heal Lazarus who was sick. So what they wanted was a healing, but what Jesus wanted was a resurrection. And sometimes what God wants to do in our life is not the same that we want him to do. Glory to God. A little side note right here, whenever Hannah is praying in the temple, she's praying for a son, praying for a son, praying for a son. And finally she says to God, all right, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And God then said, okay, I'm going to give you what you're asking for because what God wanted was a prophet, but what Hannah wanted was a son. And when Hannah gave God what he wanted, then God gave her what she wanted. Mm, Glory. Sometimes we want healing and God wants a resurrection. Sometimes we want God to straighten out our marriage. Our marriage is on the rocks. And we're hoping that Jesus will heal the marriage when in reality, God wants to do something greater in our life than just heal the marriage. I've watched people come to the altar and they prayed because they were in financial trouble or they prayed because their marriage was being destroyed or other situations were unfolding in their life and that's the reason they came to pray was because of the situation. But God's looking at them saying, if you'll let me take my hands and put them on your situation, it might be that I could do a greater work. I might want to save you more than saving your marriage. I may want to save you more than saving your finances. Mm, glory to God. It feels good here at First Pentecostal Church. Somebody shout Hallelujah. I want you to notice in Scripture that there was a man who brought his son to Jesus who was possessed with a devil. And whenever he brought his son, he said, Now look, I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't do anything for him. And so in verse 18 of Mark 9, it said that the father's telling Jesus about his son, and, and he said, Wherever, wheresoever he taketh him, he's talking about the devil, wherever the devil takes him. He tears him, and he foams, and he gnashes with his teeth and pines away. I spake to your disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Jesus then says, bring him to me. Verse 20 says, and they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. I noted that that there are two different words to describe what the devil was doing to this boy. In the first word, it uses the word "teareth," And that word from the original means uh, to throw down, to cast on the ground. And then when they are bringing this young man to Jesus, it said the spirit tear him. That comes from a complete different word from its original, and it means uh, to mangle to cause, to convulse. So what you note here is that as they are bringing the boy to Jesus, the situation gets worse than what it had been in the past. And I got to tell you, friend, that sometimes things get worse in your life than getting better before Jesus comes on the scene, before Jesus handles the situation. The situation with Lazarus was he was sick. But it got worse. He died. The young man that was brought to Jesus, he was a young man that the enemy, the devil, would just throw him on the ground. But as they're bringing him to Jesus, he goes a step further and causes him to be mangled and to convulse. Can I tell you, friend, it might get worse before he gets better. But if you ever get Jesus in your situation... If you ever get him in your circumstance, it may be worse, but he will make it better. But you got to let him in, get involved. you got to let Jesus do the work. The woman with the issue of blood for 12 long years and sought the help of physicians. The Bible said she rather grew worse and did not get any better until she touched the hem of Jesus Christ's garment. Cyrus's daughter, when he spoke to Jesus, she was sick. But while Jesus tarried in the place he was in, talking to the woman that he just cleansed of the issue of blood, they bring the word, your daughter is dead. All I'm trying to tell somebody here today is this, that Jesus knows what your situation is. And while it may get worse, don't give up. Hallelujah. While you're waiting on Jesus, just keep on waiting. Give him an opportunity. And it might get worse before he gets better, but if he ever gets his hand on the situation. Mm. Amen. Now, the next thing that you will notice is that Jesus commanded them to take away the stone. So there was an obstacle that was in the way of the miracle. But the obstacle had to be moved by the people, I want to tell you that God has the power to move all the stones in your life. God's got the power to remove every obstacle, but what God really wants to know is how desperate are you for the miracle, and are you willing to move the obstacles out of the way yourself in order for him to get to the miracle? Oh, glory to God. I'm going to tell you, friend, We're living in an hour when there are people that have buried some things in their life. They have buried some situations. They have buried some problems. They've got it hidden behind the stone. And the reality is so often these situations have been there for a time to a point that they now stink. There's no real true joy in that part of your life. There are situations, there's bitterness that we hide behind the stone. There's failures that we hide behind the stone. There's sins that we hide behind the stone. Can I name some more things here today? Amen. There's habits and there are addictions that we don't want anybody to know about. And we cover it with a stone so that nobody is repulsed by that that we don't want anybody else to know anything about. But if we're going to get the cleansing, if there's going to be a change, if there's going to be a work, then you've got to make up your mind. I'll move the stone. I'll roll away the stone because only Jesus can change the stink into a resurrection of life. Let's praise him right now. Hallelujah. When the devil came, at the day that the sons of God presented themselves before the Lord, Satan came also. And the Lord asked him, where have you been? To and fro, up and down in the whole earth. Have you considered my servant Job? He said, yes, I have. But there's a problem. Job has a hedge built around his life. He doesn't serve you for nothing. You have built a hedge around his wealth, about all of his possessions. But if you will let me at his wealth, at his possessions, then He said, the man will curse you to your face. So God took away the hedge. He took away the protection, the wall that had been built around Job's wealth and let the devil destroy his flocks, his herds, his children. And yet Job still worshiped God and remained faithful to God. The devil came back and once again, The conversation. And he said, yeah, but you build a hedge around his health. And if you will let me touch the man, that man will curse you to your face. If a man feels like he's dying and there's no hope, he'll give up all hope. And he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said, all right. He said, you can touch him, but you can't take his life. Now, this is not my message, but I'm just going to throw something out to somebody here today. You need to thank God that God sets limitations on the powers of hell. He sets limits on the adversary of your soul. He can only go so far. So God tore down the wall that was around his health, and Job still retained his integrity with God. Amen. Amen. And so what we note is this, that God built the wall around his wealth, and God built the wall around his health. But Job had built a wall around his integrity with God and his relationship with God. Can I tell you that any wall God builds in your life, he's got the right to tear it down. He's got the right to remove any form of protection that he affords you. But when you build a wall, God doesn't touch the wall that you build. Now, Job had built a wall around his integrity, but by the same time, you can flip the coin over and realize that there's a lot of people that build walls between them and the pulpit, between them and the Word of God, between them and the ministry between them and the church, between them and God. I've come to tell you, friend, if you want God to work in your life, he's not going to tear that wall down. You've got to tear the wall down. You've got to remove the stone. You've got to get the obstacle out of the way if you really want God to get to your situation. Amen. Now, I, and I'm, I'm taking my time today. I'm, I'm not in a hurry although I'm not going to preach very long, but I I, I don't feel like rushing this today because somebody needs to get a hold of this in your spirit because not only did the stone present an obstacle to the miracle that had to be removed by the people, the fact that Jesus told them to remove the stone revealed another obstacle that was in the way. You will notice that Martha comes running and says, Whatever you do, don't move the stone. He'd been behind there for four days and by now he stinks. Now, that may not seem like much until you go back up in the chapter and you read in verse number 19 where many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. So the issue now is they're all at the graveyard, the stone is in front of the cave. There's a stench behind the stone. And Martha, here's what I, I just have to believe this because you, you've already, you already noticed Martha's propensity toward certain things, certain attitudes, certain spirits. And so she says, don't roll that stone away. He stinks. There's a smell that I don't want everybody around me to have to deal with. She was more worried about what the stench and how it would affect her the people that were there. Oh, glory to God. She was more concerned about how the removal of the stone and the stench coming out of that grave would affect the spectators. Can I tell you, friend, that if you're not careful, spectators will cost you a miracle. Hallelujah. I said spectators will cost you a miracle. You can get so concerned about everybody around you and how it affects them that you can lose what God wants to do in your life. You've got to make up your mind. I don't care what, how it affects everybody. I don't care how it affects people around me. doesn't matter how it affects my friends, my family, my coworkers. I've got to have Jesus to make a difference in my life and whatever it takes. Hallelujah. You may not like what's going on in my life. You may not like what's taking place, but I've got to have the miracle of resurrection. I've got to have the miracle of change. I've got to have you do something. Come on, let's praise him, church. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to take it a step further. Could it be that more than the concern about how the stink would affect the crowd, that there was even a further underlying problem, and that is that many of the Jews had come to comfort them concerning their brother. In other words, if there's a resurrection, the funeral is over with. If there's a resurrection, the crying is over with. If there's a resurrection, the tears stop. Is it possible that Mary or Martha, Martha was enjoying the pity party? Is it possible that Martha was enjoying the attention she was getting because of her problem? Oh, help me Jesus, hallelujah. Oh, I hope somebody will hear me here today in this service because I'm going to tell you, we've got a lot of folks that would far rather have a pity party with everybody around them than to have a miracle where God changes the whole situation. (laughs) Come on, your attention may be gone. Everybody patting you on the back. Everybody consoling you. It may be over with. You may have to find yourself going back home without a crowd around you. Mm, my 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 We got lots of folks that get a lot of mileage out of people feeling sorry for them. Ooh, Lord it's quiet, but it's right. Huh? We said we got a lot of folks that, that get a lot of mileage out of these problems. They get a lot of mileage. I don't know about you, friend. But I don't I have no desire for mileage out of a problem or mileage out of a situation or people feeling sorry because of what I'm going through. Amen. Now, now I know I probably mentioned this in the past, and I don't even I don't even like to use myself as an example, but just give me a moment here. Let me just tell you that that, that in, in 2007, whenever I sat in the doctor's office at 7:30 in the morning and he looked at me and said, Sir, you have an incurable form of cancer. We don't know how that that cancer uh, uh, is developed. We don't have a cause, and we don't have a cure. And if you don't think that that won't turn your world upside down, if you don't think that kind of news will cause you tremendous emotional uh, uh, upheaval. Then, friend, just try it sometime. I went. It was about three weeks. As a matter of fact, I was. At, I was at the doctor's office at seven thirty because I had to be on a plane at three o'clock that afternoon to fly to California to preach a conference. And so, on that ride to California, I didn't even. I don't even remember that plane ride. I don't hardly remember what went on in that conference because my brain was in overload. My emotions were in overload. I went back home. Things were in my mind. I was struggling. I've got a wife. I've got children. i got grandchildren. i got a church that I'm pastoring. We've got missions works that we're involved in around the world. And I'm thinking God, what am I going to do? I want to tell you friend, after about three weeks I told my wife, take me to the church. I'm going to pray through this. I'm going to get above this. And I went to the church after a little uh, period of time. I don't even know how long I was there. I called my wife and said, come back and pick me up. When I got in the car I said, honey, one of three things. Either God's going to give me a miracle. Or well, number two, I'll beat this through a natural way, a natural effort. I said, or number three, if I die, I'm going to die in the pulpit preaching God still heals. God still works miracles. Let me tell you, friend, you got to give up the pity party to have a miracle. You got to give up the consolation. Come on. Woo. That was about 16 years ago and I'm still here and I'm still rejoicing because I made my mind up. It's not a pity party I need. It's not comforting I need. I need a miracle. I need God to make a difference. Woo. Come on. Hallelujah. You know what some of y'all need to do? You need to look at those friends that's trying to console you and you need to say, quit trying to comfort me. Help me move this stone out of the way. Help me get this rock out of the way. Help me get this obstacle. I gotta have Jesus to work a miracle. Come on. Come on. Holy Ghost is in this house. Woo! Woo! Amen. You can live with the stink behind the stove or you can make up your mind. I'm, I'm having a change today. My world's gonna change. My life is gonna change. Somebody shout amen. I don't want comforters. I want prayer warriors. Amen. You got to reach a point where people don't bother you anymore. Preach on, brother Bass. What Martha needed was delivered from the spectators. I found the verse interesting in Acts chapter twelve. Peter's been in prison. Peter's been set free. The angels leading him out of the prison. He leads him to the gate, the gate opens, the door opens, he walks through, he realizes, he comes to himself. In verse 11, Acts 12, and when Peter was come to himself, he said, now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jews. Now the folks has been delivered from Herod. Some folks have been delivered from the enemy, but they still hadn't got delivered from people yet. Woo! hallelujah, amen! I don't care what the expectation of people are around you; you need to get delivered from that amen, there's there's folks that's living under the expectation of family the expectation of co-workers the expectation of friends they're, they're there, people are looking at them saying, you know, amen they got the Holy Ghost, they got baptized in Jesus name, they're starting to go down there to First Pentecostal Church, we'll see how long that lasts, that is getting to a point where God's brought you out of the world of sin but now you're starting to struggle with what people are saying about your relationship with God you need to look at them and say, I got news for you. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you mock me, make fun of me, talk about me. Woo! Come on. You need deliverance, not just from the devil. You need to, oh, glory to God. Well, I'd run the aisles, but I'm worried about what somebody would say. Forget about what they say. I'd get out on the aisle and shout and dance, but I'm worried about what people think. Don't worry. Get deliverance, get deliverance, get deliverance. I don't think Mary was the least bit concerned about the crowd. I don't think Mary was the least bit concerned about the spectators. She's already proven she don't really care what people think when it comes to her relationship to Jesus Christ. Because she's sitting in the house at his feet. And Martha is passing through where she's at his feet. Amen. Don't you think for one moment, whenever you read where Martha finally stopped and said, Lord, would you make my sister come and help me? I'm doing everything by myself. Do you think that was the first indication that Martha wasn't happy? No? Amen. I know human nature enough. I've been around enough people that without a doubt, she may not have said anything, but when she walked through the room, she probably went, yeah, amen. Like, like, like some wives do to their husbands when she walked to the room and the, and the shoes are on the floor. Come on, amen. And she looks at you and says, are those your shoes? You didn't look back at her and say, if they're not, we got something we need to talk about. Woo! Hallelujah. I'm sorry, folks, that was just too good for me to pass up. (laughs) Hallelujah. Without a doubt, she was making some verbal, not maybe words, but she was, she had. An attitude of spirit about what Mary, but Mary didn't care. She was at the feet of Jesus Christ. Even her own sister didn't matter to her. You see, there comes a point where you make up your mind. I don't care what anybody says, I don't care what anybody does. I don't care what the world is saying. I don't care what my friends, I don't even care what Congress says. I don't care what the governor says. It doesn't matter what anybody says. I'm serving Jesus Christ with everything I've got. And if he wants me to be in a shop, I I'll shout. He wants me to run, I'll run. He wants me to fall on the altar and weep and cry, I'm gonna be there. Amen. You gotta get deliverance. In fact, at the beginning of John 11, when it's given us the description of what's going on, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her, her sister Martha. The next verse, it's a parenthetical statement. I understand that. But what they were doing, that the, the translators of the Bible felt that they needed to make an explanation here. And they said, now this Mary that we're talking about. In verse two, they added this explanation. They said, it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. What incident are we talking about? We're talking about when Jesus was in a house full of people. And Mary comes in with a pound of spikenard, very costly, and she anoints his feet. She don't care what people are saying. It doesn't matter to her what the, uh, all the people. She just she just had something in her heart. I got to do this for Jesus. I don't care who's watching. I don't care who's looking. I don't care what their opinion is. My mind's made up. I'm going to give it all I got. And from that point on, uh, we now have a record that says uh, it was. That Mary. I just wonder. I wonder when this service is over. With today, there may be some folks in this house that nobody really notices. Everybody that's here, I understand. We've all we've shook your hand. We we acknowledge you're here. But I wonder what heaven will acknowledge. Who will heaven acknowledge today? will heaven acknowledge you because it's recorded on May, what is this, the 8th? 7th? May the 7th? Yeah, you can tell I'm getting old. Can't keep up with the days. May the 7th of 2023 that it's recorded. It was that Mary that said, I'm not going to worry about what anybody says. I'm going to that altar. <laughs> it was that, Johnny, that said, I don't care what people say. I'm, I'm, I'm getting the Holy Ghost today it was, oh glory to God it needs to be It needs to be recorded in the annals of the glory world in the heavenly record that there was somebody in this house today that got delivered from everybody and everything around them and ran down to this altar and said, I've got to have the Holy Ghost I've got to have God make a difference in my life I'm going to roll the stone away I've got a lot of stink behind the stone I've got problems I'm dealing with i got a situation I'm troubled about, I've got, come on I've got addictions I need Deliverance from. And at the present time, I don't really care what anybody says. Right now, I just need a resurrection. Amen. Mary didn't care about the critics. The critics didn't stop her from anointing Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, friend, that the only way you're going to get rid of the stink behind the stone of your life is got to move the stone out of the way and you got to let Jesus at the situation. Amen. I'm closing. But I have, Bishop, I'm convinced that there will be more people in hell over pride than there will anything else. Huh? There will be far more people going to hell for pride than there will for drug addiction, alcohol addiction, because it's pride that keeps folks from wanting to roll the stone away because you're more worried about what people think. When you make up your mind that the only thing that matters is I've got to have a resurrection. I've got to have a radical change in my life. And I don't really care what anybody thinks about who I am or what I am. I want Jesus to step up to the door of my life And say Lazarus come forth. And I I don't I don't feel like the Holy Ghost last night as I was up in the upper room praying, seeking God for this service. I don't think the Holy Ghost just gave me a message to preach just for the sake of preaching a message. But I believe the Holy Ghost sent me here to reach for somebody in this house. You may have a pornographic addiction behind the stone. You may have thoughts of suicide that you got buried behind the stone. You may have a lot of stuff going on that you got hidden, covered up, and nobody knows about. But I can't go to that altar because if I go, it's going to indicate that I've got issues I need Jesus to help me with. Your problem, more than the stink behind the stone, the problem is pride that keeps you from getting out of your pew and walking to this altar and saying, I've got to have help. I can't do this by myself. I can't make it on my own. Why do you think they had Jesus there? Because they knew Lazarus was dead and they knew there was no hope. The hope was gone. It was over with. The only way that hope could be restored is if Jesus got involved. Whatever stench there is in your life, there's one simple solution. Get the stone out of the way. And let Jesus speak. Hallelujah. And when you walk out of here today, there won't be any stink in your life. There won't be any hidden things that are repulsive to people if they were exposed to it. Because at the altar, he can take care of sin. In the baptismal tank, he can wash away sin. He can forgive it here and he can wash away it there. So when you walk out of this house, your world is a different world. But what you've got to be willing to do is get the stone out of the way. And you've got to be willing to say, Jesus, whatever it takes. I'm just telling you in the Holy Ghost, there's a married couple that ought to clasp hands and walk down to this aisle this morning and say, we, we want God to help us. We want God to make a difference in our home. We want God to change the environment, the atmosphere, the spirit of our home. It's antagonistic now. It's violent. It, it's, a, it's a home that's at war constantly. There's no peace in our home. we got to have Jesus, the Prince of Peace, to show up. I don't think I'm off base here. I think I'm right on base today. Needs to be a married couple gets up out of your pew right now. Let's stand. Let's let's make it a little bit easier. Be a married couple that gets out and comes up here and says, "Today we're going to roll the stone away. We're going to let Jesus change the environment of our home. We're going to let Jesus make a difference." There's others that are in this house that Jesus is reaching for. He's trying to help you understand that he'll make the difference if you'll get that rock out of the way, if you'll get that obstacle out of the way, if you'll get your unbelief out of the way, you'll get your doubts out of the way. Come on. They're coming to the altar here today. Come on in close. There's others going to be coming behind you. They're coming to the altar right now. This altar is open. There's people mo- There's people moving toward this altar. There's people that, amen, I know, I know, I'm telling you what I felt in the Holy Ghost that, that, that there, there's too much stink behind the stone in the church. We need to get these rocks out of the way so the revival that God really wants to send to us can begin to take place all over this, not just this church, but all over this city, all over this county, greater things, mightier things. You, you, you see what God's doing right now, church. Amen. We need some help. We need some church folks full of the Holy Ghost. That you'll you'll march up behind these folks, and you'll start filtering in among them, and start laying hands on them and praying for them. We need some Holy Ghost filled saints up here right now. We need the Lord to make a difference. While the front line is singing right now, we need some prayer warriors. We need some folks. Come on, push your way on through, saints. Push your way on through, Holy Ghost filled church people. Come on up. Amen. Come on up. Pray for these people. Pray for these that are in the altar. The Lord's trying to help some homes. The Lord's trying to make some difference in some families. That's it, brethren. Preachers, help me right now. I'm going to speak the name of Jesus. We're going to speak the name of Jesus today. We're going to speak the name of Jesus. Yes.
1: Yes. Come on. Come on. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is trying to work. Your Your name is healing.
0: Come on. Come on. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on. Let the Holy Ghost help us today. Right now, come on! If you got the Holy Ghost, if you're full of the Holy Ghost, come on up here and help pray for some of these folks. There's some people really reaching right now. There's some people reaching right now. Some people are reaching. stronghold here today Break every song, no. come on roll away Shine that stone roll away that stone let Jesus at your problem let Jesus at your situation Let do
1: it. Jesus Let Jesus do it. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus, for my family, I speak, speak the holy, holy name,
0: name of Jesus. Jesus. Come on, I feel a breakthrough in the Holy Ghost right now. To speak you need Jesus to speak to your situation speak to your problem speak to your circumstances Somebody's going to go home with a resurrection. It's going to be more than a healing. It's going to be a resurrection. It's going to be power, glory. right now. There's some miracles taking place.